I'm excited to share the word. Um, so let's, <clears throat> let's get ready for what God wants to say this morning. It was quietly that Jesus gone to the cross. A few days before he entered Jerusalem with the choir singing, the crowds cheering, some dancing before the king. But it was in silence and quietly that he went to the cross. They know Jesus for the times that he spoke up, that he spoke out, the times that he found himself in a boat or in a synagogue teaching the truth. But when the moment came for him to go to Calvary, to walk down the path that you and I were meant to walk down, he did so quietly. Everyone could feel it. Jesus has gone quiet. In Isaiah 53, it says that though he was oppressed and treated harshly, he never said a word. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the sharers, he did not open his mouth. A few last words on trial with his opposition. A few last words of hope for those who see him exit trial on the way to death. And then Jesus went quiet. But he didn't stay quiet. They crucified him. They put him on a cross. They drove nails through his hands. They drove nails into his feet. They've beaten him up severely. They've taken his clothes and they've revealed his nakedness. And through all of that, he was quiet, silent, like a sheep being led away. And then there's this moment on the cross. We're out of the quietness and the silence. Jesus speaks. And he preaches his shortest sermon. Seven statements. Seven words from the cross. And he preaches probably his most profound message of all time. It gives us a window into eternity. He shared that in this moment between him crossing from this life as human back into divinity, into full divinity, yet knowing that something was up ahead for him to face first. And this final shortest sermon of Christ is a window into the depths of the Father's heart. And he displays his love out loud for the world to see. And that's our journey for the next few weeks. 
as we're going to look at the final sayings of Christ on the cross. And one more time, he broke through the silence to speak. And who of you know that when the king of kings speak, there's something to hear? Who have you know that when Jesus opens his mouth, that every word is meticulously chosen because he's bringing his kingdom to this world? And even in his most painful moment, when he could have, and if I think about my own self, I would have just been in my pain. He said, no, I've still got a message to give to the people of the world. I've still got a message to preach to those that I am surrounded by. Jesus breaks the silence, and he says his first few words from the cross. So let's read together in Luke chapter 23, just a few short verses. Verses 33 to 35. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. This is the word of the Lord. Out of the silence, Jesus breaks the silence and he says the word which brings it all together. He proclaims forgiveness. His very last message, his very last sermon, and in his pain as he is about to face death, is the message of forgiveness. It is in forgiveness that everything that the cross has meant for and meant to be has come together. It is in this moment when he said, Father, and he prayed, forgive them, that I believe the penny has dropped for all those that surround at that moment to realize this is what is taking place all along. Because those who knew the prophecy and Isaiah 53 would have seen him like a sheep being led away in silence. And he opens up his mouth and he says, Father, forgive. The purpose of the cross in this moment is eternally set. And from that moment, it keeps echoing until today. And that will keep on echoing until he comes. That the cross of Jesus is a cross of forgiveness. At all times, through all times, and in all things. Notice how Jesus is praying for his enemies. How he's praying for those who just drove the nails through his hands. Do you and I find it in ourselves to pray for our enemies? Have any of you been nailed to a cross by anyone else? Physically? Would you pray for that person in that moment? Do you see what's, what's amazing about Jesus is he knows who he's praying to. He's praying to the Father. And when we speak to the Father, 
And because he knows his life is in submission to the Father. And he knows that the Father has seen everything and he's seen the plan and he thinks it is good. It gives Christ and his humanity the ability to say the words forgive in this moment. It's all captured in this one opening statement of the shortest sermon that Jesus is about to preach. It captures it all. He boldly exclaims this forgiveness. Now, when I read the scripture, and maybe you've noticed it, I was thinking about the scene. I was imagining in, in myself who would have been around in that moment. And we don't have to imagine too much because the text actually shows us. There's actually three groups of people that are mentioned here in Luke chapter 23 in this moment when Jesus spoke up out of his silence. First group that we see is the Roman soldiers. Those who nailed him to the cross, who crucified him. Can you imagine the sound when you put someone on a wooden cross? And you take a hammer and a thick nail and you drive it through their hand. I've got a funny knee, so every now and again I've got to just twist it and it goes click. <laughs> That's just a little knee twist. So these Roman soldiers laid him down there and they heard every inch of his pain. They felt it. Lying him down there on that cross. And yet they did it. None of them bailed and said, this is too hard for me. In fact, I believe that the Roman rule that they were under was so bloodthirsty that they actually enjoyed this moment. So we find within this moment where Jesus speaks up, the first group is the deliberate. Those who deliberately took Jesus, laid him down, and nailed him. On the cross, and then those who deliberately took his clothes off his body and they casted lots to share it with one another. And what happens in this moment is a fulfillment of the prophetic messianic psalm, Psalm 22, where it says, They have pierced my hands and feet, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Can I just take a quick segue here? If you have to look at all the messianic prophecies about Jesus that existed back in the day and all the things that happened on his journey from his birth to the resurrection and you put those together, I don't understand how the world cannot believe. There's been scientific evidence to show that the, the probability of someone knowing here, even if they had some weird, as the world would call it, gift to see into the future, the probability of so many prophecies being fulfilled actually taking place in one person is massive. In fact, you cannot count it. It is too big. And here in this moment, the deliberates are there to put him on a cross and they fulfill the prophetic word that was spoken by the psalmist many, many years ago. This deliberate group is that group of Roman soldiers that said, we're going to nail this man to the tree. The pain, the sound, the blood that would run. We're all in it. We're good to experience all of it. And while they're doing it, I try to imagine Jesus' eyes 
lying there, seeing the man nailing him to the cross and looking eyes into his eye, looking eyes with him and saying, Father, forgive this man. Forgive this man. Because he doesn't know what he's doing. We've got it recorded once, but maybe in Jesus' heart for a thousand times, with every single time that they've beat him to the cross, he was crying out to heaven and says, Father, forgive. Father, forgive. So that the story of the deliberate are there to show us the heart of Christ and his love out loud in this moment. But there's a second group. There's some people that stood by watching the crucifixion as if it is just a normal part of life. Because to those people it were. Every so often, a criminal would be put on a cross and nailed to a cross. For them, they might have looked at what happened to Jesus in just almost an unceremonious way. The scripture just said that the people were just watching. Which brings me to my second group, which is the disconnected. Those who can see what's happening and maybe have heard the news that this is a completely innocent man and he's even been declared as such by the governor, but they're putting him to the cross. Completely innocent. None of them ran to the cross and said, take him off, he's innocent. They all just stood to the side and in a disconnected manner looked at what happened. The scripture says in Psalm 22, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads, speaking about the people, who's just gaping like, and then going back to the business of the day, disconnected from the fact that the king of kings, the Messiah is on a cross, unable to feel in their spirits and their hearts that something else is in the air. Just disconnected from what Jesus was going through in that moment. If that took place in South Africa, those group of people that would walk past and just go, shame. And then go on with their day. Unlike the deliberate, who were intentional with their actions, the disconnected just stand off and let things just go its way. Switch off in their brain, like, I don't have to deal with this. Whatever this is, ah, I'm going to carry on. And then there's a third group, the dictators. It said here that the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And again, prophetically, this is a fulfillment of what's said in Psalm 22 when it says, Many bulls encompass me. The strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. Describing the rulers, the dictators, the ones who were given places of position to see people set free, abuse their power, to rule over people with a strong hand and with violence and without any justice, true justice, they look at Jesus and they just sneer at him like a lion ready to devour a prey. They say and utter these things about and against Christ. The bulls of Bashan is coming up here. I've got to explain it for a moment. In Amos chapter 4, 
It is prophesied, and it says this. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor and who crush the needy. Anyone who understood the context in that moment realized that this is what's taking place. These rulers, these reign, those who reigned over the people are like the bulls of Bashan who says, let us crush, let us push down, let us oppress once more. The very man who gently walked amongst people and set them free. The very man who gave them food to eat when they were hungry. The very man who was burned with compassion in his own heart when he saw people like sheep without a shepherd. The very man who laid his hands on thousands and see people set free from oppression. The dictator stand up and we say, no, we don't want that. And as we go through these three groups, the deliberate, the disconnected, and the dictators, we'll miss out if we think that that's not the story of you and me. That there are moments when we are deliberate in our sinfulness, making light of what happened on the cross, making light of what Jesus went through in his pain. And again and again, we are deliberately choosing to be against him through our sin, through our pride, through choosing the life that we want. Then there's times where we disconnected from the story. We don't care much for Jesus. We don't care much for the call that he has towards us. We treat the Passover, as we call it in modern day, Easter weekend as a weekend away. It's long weekend. Let's get out of town. And let's see how much of this life we can enjoy. We disconnect because it's a little bit more comfortable to disconnect than to actually take time, even if you are out of town, to kneel with your family at the cross. Say, Jesus, let us not be disconnected from what this weekend means. We are coming to be with you. Sometimes the masses rock up on a good Friday morning, and that's a great thing, but they tick the box. Been to church on Good Friday and Christmas Day. And throughout, they are truly only disconnected. With Jesus, and sometimes, oh, we just sometimes are like the dictators who stand up and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done, but I'm going to rule my own life. I'm going to determine what life is and should be, and you know what is the end of that every single time? When you take the wheel and take responsibility for your own life, people get hurt. Does that make us any different from the bulls of Bashan? when we in our hearts speak out against Jesus Christ. So this morning, our story is not about the three groups. The story we read is about us. And here's what happened in the middle of the story. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. If Jesus was here in physical form this morning, I believe he'd pray the same prayer. 
for his church, for you and I. Father, forgive them for the times that they were deliberate against me, for the times that they might have disconnected from me, or for the times that they feel like they are the ones who dictate their own lives. So Jesus in this moment reveals the Father's heart. He comes and he puts on display the story of love that is written throughout Scripture. Time and time again, if you read the Bible, I was so encouraged this morning, have a conversation with someone who said, I don't always understand this, so I realized I need to understand this. So I took six weeks recently and read through the whole book, and all of a sudden I now all understand it. <laughs> well done. Because this is a story of love. Some of us skip over the law because we feel like, ah, law is there because he loves us. So in this moment, Jesus reveals the Father's heart, saying to the deliberate, to the dictators, and to the disconnected, forgiveness is available. The very reason I am on this cross and I'm dying for you today is because my Father wants to forgive you and let the banner over you be freedom. That's what was being said when Jesus said those short words. This was his ministry all along, to reveal the Father's heart, to hang out with sinners, those who find themselves in their vile passions, to sit around with them, to eat with them, and then say, you know what, there's a Father, let me tell you about him, and he's ready to forgive you and set you on a new path of life. Jesus said, the Father and I are one. And in John chapter 5, he says, whatever I see the Father do, I, the Son, does. So this wasn't just a prayer of the Son to the Father. This was the Father and the Son echoing for eternity that the cross is a cross of forgiveness. Father, let's reveal to them the love that you have for them. Let's show them that even though they nailed me to this cross and I am innocent, proclaimed innocent, that you would forgive that. That you would forgive the worst of sins because of your love, because of your heart for your people. You see, when God made humanity, it was all to be in a continuous love relationship with man. There was so much love in the Trinity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that it had to be shared. So they said, let us make man in our image so that we can share this love that we experience with beings who, like us, can experience and give love back. And then we know how it got messed up in the garden, but the story of Jesus all through the Bible until this point of the cross is to restore that love that the Father had for His people, that the Father has for you and me. The second thing that Jesus does in His prayer is he reaches for his enemy's heart. While he is being mocked, stripped naked, beaten up, hanging on that cross in excruciating pain, he opens up his mouth and he says, Father, let's reveal our love. And then he looks at them and says, forgive these. He was reaching out 
to the hearts of the enemies, to those who were against God and against his Messiah. Again, we would find ourselves missing the point this morning if we think that it was just those who crucified him to the cross. Romans 5 says clearly, while we were God's enemies, reconciled by the blood of the Son, Colossians 1 opens up and it says, We were alienated and enemies in our minds because of our own evil. When Jesus was reaching out to the hearts of his physical enemies around him, he was still in that moment setting up a continuous reaching out of his heart towards us. Because all of us are at times, and maybe until that point where you meet Jesus, a complete enemy to the cross. And he says, I am after your heart. The Father and I are here to reach your heart. I'm not only going to pray forgiveness, I'm going to reach out and use the the last little bit of strength that I have in this body that is shaking with pain and is an excruciating pain. I'm going to use to say something important. I'm reaching out to you. Isn't the cross beautiful? Isn't the cross so powerful? Not only is the first thing that Jesus reveals on the cross, the Father's heart and how he reaches out to all of our hearts, but he reveals man's ignorant heart. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. The deliberate knew what they did. The disconnected knew that they were unaffected, and they chose to be so. The dictator certainly knew what was happening. We're not going to let any other kingdom or throne take the one that belongs to us. But it wasn't about that. I believe when Jesus said, forgive them, for they do not know what they were doing, He said, we were saying in modern day language, they don't get it. They don't get what this moment is all about. They don't get that God became man and lived a perfect life and died for them. They should have been here. They don't get it. They don't get that if they accept this message, not one of trying and hard work and effort, but just accept it that they can be with God for eternity. They don't get it. So the ignorance of heart wasn't the fact that they chose on which side to sit. The ignorance of heart is that they don't get what's happening in this moment, that the most significant moment in human history is taking place, resetting the past and setting up the future. It's because of that that he cried and said, God, they don't get what's happening and taking place. When you sing about the cross, do you still get it? When you think about Jesus dying for you, do you still get it? How I had to make sure this week that I get it before I preach it. He reveals the ignorance, not just of the heart of those around him. But the ignorance that all of us face 
so quickly, forgetting what took place in that moment. The holy, perfect Son, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who in the heavens 24-7 is being praised and worshipped by the elders and the angels. We're ignorant towards that. And when our hearts enter that ignorance, we forget Jesus. So we can become the deliberate. We can become the disconnected. We can become the dictators. But all of them had an ignorant heart. It's for none of them to say that you are worse off than I am. And how we love to do that in church. Now that's a big sinner. Now there's a dictator. Oh, that person is disconnected. Not allowing the Spirit of God to reveal the ignorance of my own heart. That I today... And the decisions I make today can either accept or reject the cross. So the question that I want to conclude with this morning is, when you hear this prayer, this short sermon of Jesus, his opening statement on the cross, is your heart awakened still? Does something in you wake up? Does something in you move a little? your heart beat a little bit faster understanding what he's done? Hear the words of Jesus this morning. Father, forgive Pierre for his ignorant heart. And I held the tension this morning because I can go down the roots of why our hearts become ignorant. But I was trusting that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you this morning where your heart is at. Because that's what he does. The Bible teaches that it's the Spirit of God who convicts. Jesus was praying for you and for me. And he was saying, Forgiveness. Can we live in that place that when we are deliberate, we're so aware of what he prayed that we don't just do a quick confession, no, Jesus, forgive me for my sins today, for all the things I did, anything I did wrong, but to pause and reflect of the deliberate times that you chose darkness instead of light. Can we live there that we don't disconnect? And now all the reasons are running. Yes, but life, busy, this, that. Children, school, programs, family. So I'm just disconnecting a bit because it's all too much. Imagine Jesus saying after the first nail through his hand, this is all too much. I think I'm going to disconnect from this mission. You can live. And if there's one thing you get this morning, you can live in a constant space of connection with him. It is completely true and available. So get back there. Don't get disconnected. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you've been on your own throne, you say, this is what my life is going to be. 
And I know the Bible says this, and I know, but I, let me tell you my story, where I come from and how I grew up, and sometimes our traditions and the old things we hold on to so much that we don't receive what Jesus has died for on the cross. And his opening statement on the cross is his continuous statement throughout the story. Father, forgive. And let ignorant hearts realize what has taken place. Let's close our eyes this morning. Jesus, the gospel is so clear this morning. It's a gospel of forgiveness. We are not saved by our own works. We are not saved by our own efforts. We are saved by Jesus on the cursed tree who looked around those surrounding him in that moment and saying, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Freedom has come. Let your heart be set free. Jesus, this morning you spoke so powerfully to us, prophetically, when you said, maybe we should just raise our expectations again, that you truly are the God who does far more than what we can even think or imagine. Lord, you spoke to us this morning saying, freedom is our banner. That's the word that you want to write over our lives. Jesus, we sang this morning about the power of the cross, how Christ be magnified in our lives, how we can raise our hallelujahs from here below and praise Jesus Christ forevermore. So my prayer this morning, Jesus, will you come and awaken hearts. Spirit of God, wake us up again. Ignite in us again the understanding of what took place on the cross. Let us be so completely intoxicated by this message that every moment of our lives, every single day, we live there, deliberately choosing to follow you, deliberately saying we're going to stay connected to you, and deliberately, Lord, getting off the throne of our own hearts and say, Jesus, this is your rightful place. Move our religion away from lip service into deep, deep-founded relationship with our King. Speak to us daily about these things, Jesus, and thank you this morning that your word says that even if we found ourselves wanting this morning, we might have had a moment of sinfulness or dis disconnection or we might have taken our own lives into our own hands. Your message is the same. And you and the Father are interceding for us, your word says. And this morning, your intercession rings loud. Forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. This morning, my daughter had a hockey tour, and she woke up this morning. She says, Mom, I've got a word for the church. 
And um, I just want to be faithful and present that word because it's so in line with what Pierre has spoken today. She said, Mom, I'm sensing that people have extreme blockages in their hearts. The hearts are blocked. And she said, Mom, I saw Jesus as the plunger, and he was going to unblock the heart. And Jesus, we pray right now, Father, if it's unforgiveness, if it's anything right now, convict hearts. What are those things that are blocking our hearts? What are the things that are making them hard? What are the things, Father, that, that make us not able to really press into you? Expose those things right now. And Holy Spirit, we ask with faith that you will unblock those avenues, Father, in the hearts, that they will become soft and pliable. Holy Spirit, you are the one that does that work. Holy Spirit, you are that plunger. And Father, we, we trust you right now. Convict. Give peace, Prince of Peace, that you are the one that is unblocking the hardness, the things that are holding us back. You are the one, we've heard it today, who brings the freedom. You do your work now, Holy Spirit. You do the work. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond. An ignorant heart, when being left alone for too long, becomes a hard heart. It becomes hard. I believe the Lord, as He promises in His Word, he wants to take out the hard heart, the heart of stone, and give us a heart of flesh, one that can feel again. You know what? Life is deeply, deeply broken and hard. And our hearts become callous because of it. But as we turn our eyes upon Jesus, and as we accept this prayer of forgiveness, He changes us. Later this afternoon, I'm going to get to baptize a friend whose heart has changed because of Jesus. So if you need that this morning, let's respond. If that's you, just stand up. We family here. So stand up and say, yeah, my heart and my ignorance has let me become hard. Let's be bold. Stand up. Anyone here that needs to respond? Thank you. Anyone else? There's more people. It's okay if you stand up and if you stood up last week too. I want to stand in front of Jesus as much as I can for Him to work in me. Thank you, Lord, for these that are standing. I'm going to pray for you in a moment, but I also want to pray for a second group that I really feel out of the three groups I mentioned really spoke to me most. Some of us have become okay with being disconnected from God at times. To know the story of the cross, to know what Jesus has done, but to keep it at a distance, to maybe gape, like, okay, we come into church like, okay, 
and then we move along. So the second group I want to ask to stand this morning is you, if you want to say, yeah, that, that's been me. I just wanted to disconnect. Can you just stand? We want to pray with you as well. It's awesome. Anyone else? It's great. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just as this song that's being played in the background says, we turn our eyes upon Jesus. We choose this morning to look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of Your glory. But not just Your glory, Jesus. In the light of Your grace. And Your word over us this morning is a word of grace. That it's my grace that sets you free. It's because of my grace that you are forgiven. It is because of my grace that your hard heart will be turned into a heart of flesh as you respond to my word this morning. So I pray for your sons and your daughters, Lord, those who are standing up this morning. May they see and feel and know the grace of God. And may they hear these words that they are forgiven, that they are set free. That your word says that when we confess, you are faithful to forgive us, Lord. And not just that, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness that we might carry upon ourselves. And this morning, your word is faithful. So let's all pray together. Say, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for revealing the Father's heart. Jesus, thank you for revealing my own heart. Let my heart align with the Father's heart this morning. Thank you for your forgiveness. I receive it today in Jesus' name. By faith, according to your word, and let your Holy Spirit Come quicken it in me and make it steadfast, I pray in Jesus' name. Can we give God just a tear for this morning? Thank Him for working in our midst today. I want to encourage you to stay on this journey. Stay on this journey. I did not realize that I'm going to be so <laughs> turned upside down by reading those words that I needed to prepare this week. I knew God wanted me to preach it, but whew, the discovery of it has changed me this week. So let's stay the journey to hear this sermon unfold in front of us. And not just that, people, can we take this message and share it with someone this week? There's people in your life that needs to hear the words that we've forgotten that Jesus still forgives. There's people that you need to go and forgive like Jesus has forgiven you. So let's put it into action. Let's be like the wise man who built his house on the rock who hear the words of his Jesus and says, yeah, I am going to go and do it when I leave the doors of this building. Amen. Awesome.